No. Leave a message. I'll call you back. Jerry, have you ever taken a bath in the dark? <laughs> if I'm not talking into the soap right now, call me back. Uh, Marlene. Mar oh. Oh. Marlene. Yeah. I, I took her home one night. We kind of started up a little bit in the car. Well, I thought you were trying to get rid of her. I was, but she's got me, like, hypnotized or something. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, absolutely no one proudly present to you the greatest Seinfeld podcast in the world, The Chill King, C.J. Ward, The Wise Rabbit, Alex Lee. This is the show. We need some kind of like applause there because that was wonderful. <laughs> I'll insert applause here. <laughs> no, that was, that was awesome. I, I thoroughly enjoyed that. Welcome. Welcome, everybody. Welcome, everybody. Uh, happy season, season two. two, right? Right, season two. That's good things. Made it past season one. Season one was fun. It was short, but it was fun. Short and sweet, but season two, a little bit longer. Before we get into those 20-episode seasons, those will be fun. Yeah, was this one, uh, like 11, 10, 12? Uh, so, I, think it's, I think it's 12. Something it somewhere around there. Line. But, you know, double uh, at least doubling up on last season. We've got The Ex-Girlfriend today, directed by uh, our good buddy, not our good buddy, but Mr. Tom Sharonis. Well, you know what? We've, we've enjoyed his work for some time. He, he, he deserves that, that spec on his name. He's our buddy. Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. I found, uh, I found Jonathan Wolf on Twitter, and I was like, uh, follow, sir. <laughs> um uh, so directed by Tom Sharonis, the table read for this occurred on October 17th, 1990. So, you know, after the summer, uh, season one, successful, picked up for season two, and they get right back to it. So we had the table read on the 17th. They did some filming in front of a live studio audience on the 23rd. They shot a bunch of stand-ups on the 29th of October, and then... This episode aired 9.30 on a Wednesday, January 23rd, 1991. So, Supposed to air a week prior. Yes, it was scheduled. NBC pumped uh, a lot of money into promoting this episode, uh, heavily using George's Sinatra line uh, from the chiropractor's office. And suddenly... Uh, George Bush Sr. was like, Operation Desert Storm! And uh, a whole bunch of news preempted the show, and uh, it aired a week later. Yeah, it's... I, I think I would rather see the episode of Seinfeld than the news about the Desert Storm. But, but I understand, you know, times. Yeah, I mean, even with the... Uh, even with the preemption the ne the following week, it still scored a 10.9 rating with an audience share of 17. With From what I understand about Nielsen ratings, that's about 10.9 million people. And at any given time, 17% of TVs were tuned in to the show, uh, if, if I have that right. I'm assuming so. Uh, if not, somebody who ever eventually listens to this episode will tell me I'm wrong on Twitter. And, I mean, that's that's pretty good for, you know... Oh, I gotta wait a week. I was hoping to see this episode, so just uh, I thought I thought it was a, a good a good rating for for having been preempted for a week. That's true. Maybe a little little uh, 
extra extra weight there, you know. Probably builds up that anticipation a little bit more. So, uh, one more interesting little uh, uh, note that I had found, because talking about the ratings and the success of the show and everything. Towards the end of the episode, I'm, I'm in the notes about nothing, and it mentions that NBC pulled the show uh, from the schedule after about four weeks, so like three weeks after this, so I'm assuming after the fourth episode, and that's it. That's all the notes said, and I was like, uh, what does what? that mean? <laughs> what does that mean? Like, did they come back? Was there a reason? So, uh, I didn't get a chance to look. I guess I can pull it up now since, you know, I don't have anything better to do than record a podcast. Uh, the, I was, I meant to look up the air dates of the second season to see if there was like some sort of large gap, which if I slowly click through IMDb and as, as you slowly scroll through IMDb, can I give you an IMDb note about this uh, episode? Sure. So, in this episode, we get the, uh, the, the George's ex-girlfriend, who is uh, played Tracy by... Tracy Yes. But, did you know who also auditioned for the role... Uh, yeah, actually, you, actually, you probably I, I do, do. Go, go, of all the people for me to ask, right? Go, go, go ahead and list them off though. It's a good uh, list. well, I was going to, the, the main one that I was really going to bring up was, uh, Heidi Swedberg, who yeah. we later on know as Susan. Right. Uh, uh, also on that list, Jerry Ryan of Star Trek fame, and then Amy Yazbek, who has connections to Michael Richards and uh, Jason Alexander through uh, just some shared films that they did. I believe uh, Yazbek plays uh, Jason's wife in, oh, what was it? Was it when George, uh, see, Jason Alexander, I think George Cassandra, Jason, I think it's a pretty woman that Jason Alexander's in. He plays some kind of creepy guy. And uh, Amy Yasbeck plays his wife. So I've got the I've got the episodes. So the first f- four episodes. I haven't seen Pretty Woman in four ever. Last time I saw Pretty Woman, I can remember pulling it out of the VHS box. That's a long time ago. It's a long time ago. <laughs> That's a long time ago. So the first four episodes aired, you know, on their normal schedule, with the phone message airing February thirteenth, nineteen ninety one, and then. The next episode, The Apartment, doesn't air until April 4th, 1991. So I will keep an eye on the notes about nothing through the first four episodes, and hopefully by the phone message we'll get some kind of resolution as to why there seems to be some about a six-week gap in between uh, episodes. But yeah, I was just like, thanks, notes, for letting me know that the show got pulled for some time without really giving me any sort of explanation. Well, that's why they're there. To help note you along your journey. Absolutely. Uh, so we'll just jump into this first little stand-up by by Jerry. Uh, like I said, the stand-ups uh, were all shot uh, for the first four episodes, uh, three four episodes on October 29th. And if you watch this on the DVD, you'll see a bunch of uh, stand-up jokes that didn't actually make it into... Uh, those episodes are actually pretty funny. Some pretty funny jokes got left out. Uh, so you, I know you have watched the DVDs of this because I know you are very, 
you're very dedicated to these specific episodes. So yeah, uh, real quick before actually before yeah. we dive in, this this is like my first DVD set of Seinfeld was season two, and I've probably watched these episodes more than any of the other episodes of Seinfeld seasons. Three and four, you know, maybe just because they they have such classic episodes, maybe I've revisited those certain episodes more. Um, but there's no there's no season I don't think I watched from beginning to end more than this season. So this has a very very strong like, like again I like I I like it. I've seen it enough. I think I have a decent understand now. Maybe not not as as delving deep into the behind the scenes stuff as as you sir well i was um, gonna ask well th- what what i was leading into with that i was gonna ask uh the deleted scenes for this episode mm, no i it i i cannot recall so there's there's a handful of deleted scenes actually and one of them includes the start of this uh episode after this stand up by Jerry talking about uh, lane changers and such he actually asked George uh, when him and Elaine are in the car he asked George to you know lean out the window and ask that guy to let me in and it's actually a pretty funny it's a pretty funny little bit I actually enjoyed the deleted scenes from this I thought that some of them are actually better than what uh, what was in place of it are you saying uh, that they that that they put that that scene in the next scene where they're all in the car? Because if so, that would actually make that next scene to me more funny. Is that they had a part where it's like, oh, can I get through that guy? That that would be better. That would actually be really 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 good for that next scene. And I, and I like the next scene a lot. Like like I don't know. I'm <laughs> trying to wait to get there. I've had. As uh, as we've been sitting here talking, you know, a little pre-episode, I've had I've had some coffee and I'm ready to go. Um, you're a little hyped. You're a little jacked up. Feeling uh, good. Well, the, the the actual what I loved most about the deleted scene was the the punchline when Jerry goes, "Did you give him the little wave?" And George George goes, "Yeah, I wrote him a note." And Julia <laughs> Julia breaks and giggles, and I think that's probably what ruined the take and. Oh, that's uh, funny. <laughs> but it was like it was that. Yeah, I wrote him a note. Uh, <laughs> that see, and I felt like that would have gone better with with the stand up about you know being in traffic with that person. Uh, but there's a and the uh, so to back it up just a little bit with another deleted scene when George is discussing uh, Marlene and just being kind of bored of her, he proposes a fake kidnapping. Uh, and he goes into detail about hiring some guys to jump out of a car and stuff them into a trunk, and then he would just wait it out until Marlene got over him, and <laughs> then he would reemerge. Uh, and he goes into detail. It's actually is actually really, really funny, which I felt was funnier than him, you know, kind of being forced into an "I love you." Yeah. Yeah. There, there was a lot of good, interesting notes about this whole car production that mostly they shot in front of a live studio audience but some of these car scenes they had to go out to the NBC lot called like the New York stage where they had you know just different city style sets set up and this is one 
that even with the lights off, you'll recognize that they go back to a lot because they would save a lot of money by reusing uh, a bunch of the sets. And I like when they use it, the sets. It, it talked about the poor man's process of being in the car. And like when you see the car shake, it's just, you know, a couple of production staff members just kind of shaking the car for turns. And the, the headlights you see are actually just a guy moving a light forward and off to the <laughs> side. And they saved a lot of money by doing this. They actually called it the poor man's process. And I found, I found it to be really interesting because I love all the behind the scenes. Like They did a good job throughout that, that with, with – with the sets in general, you know, with like the the New York City like street sets, I think always do a good job, and they they reuse a lot of them without you really noticing that they reuse a lot of them. Um, there was another was one funny. I just had in my head before. Oh, the um, I think it's in the in the next season, uh, uh, the airport where uh, Kramer is running next to the airplane. You know, I think there's some good oh. behind-the-scenes shots about that scene. That'll be fun. That'll be fun. That'll be fun to get to. Uh, you'd mentioned, you know, the New York scenes looking really good. The notes about nothing actually take shots at uh, some people who uh, are convinced that uh, all the exterior shots are actually New York City, like not believing that they're on the set. And it, oh, it made some joke about. Also believe in something silly, but they were just taking like I thought the notes about nothing taking pot shots at people was pretty funny. Like I was not expecting <laughs> them to get so, uh, so upset about people thinking it was uh, filmed in New York. It's just pretty funny. That that's funny. That adds a little bit of, of like a Seinfeld kind of thing to uh, attitude to yeah. the notes. Yeah. Did you happen to catch Norman on the street? No, uh, I. Uh, I think I did one time. Um, he actually walks by twice. Twice, I did see that. I, I did a little. I did a little extra research for this episode. Um, I I did see that in the counter or whatever that that, that they have is that he was twice. I did not see he, him. Twice. But he literally, it is so funny. He he walks by. It says Elaine's getting in the car. He Elaine comes out and he walks by in a hat and a jacket and he's looking all tall and then not 10 seconds later he has lost the hat and jacket and now he's all hunched over he's walking with a with kind of like a, a different kind of swagger and it was it's like <laughs> oh my god that's that'd be the funniest it, thing to do that's one of the way i mean <clears throat> that's just one of those ways they would save money so they could put it into other you know stuff you know it, it doesn't surprise me that they had to to pinch pennies because just the, the, the nature of the show they just did they, they just the way executives thought about it so in they the just didn't want to give them enough money <laughs> in the car I, I i think this is a good it's like your classic kind of like setup scene we have jerry and george george is kind of setting up okay this is going to be my arc for the episode mm -hmm. elaine comes in she sets it up okay this is going to be my arc for the episode and then Jerry's just kind of there, and he he does end up getting plotted into mainly George's, but like on in this scene in particular, he's just kind of on the sideline, like observing. Um, yeah, he's like the he's the vessel that all these characters sort of come through, and 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 sometimes Jerry's an active participant, sometimes he's just an observer, sometimes he's the referee, but. 
like Jerry himself is like the the magnet that brings all of these characters together to to have all of our fun adventures and stories. And you get some 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 classic Jerryness in here. We've we've kind of gone over like the uh, uh, do it like a band aid right off, right off. Uh, yeah, that's a classic. We I mean that's just something that. We say to each other whenever, whenever either one of us is like, "Man, I really don't want to do this." It's just like, dude, like a band aid, right off. Uh, you got to do the, the, the Jerry like imp- yeah. amplification. Another mm-hmm. one is where he uh, is like, uh, "You're flesh and blood." You know, he has that 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 Jerry. Oh Jerry yeah, tone with, to and, it. Uh, later when he's talking to Kramer about it. Yeah. No, no, no. Like, In this scene, he's talking to George, and George is like, he's he's like, uh, so they. Sorry, I'm. It's it's the Leroy Bring Jenkins in me. Bring um, it on. So so they they do end up reversing this scene later on with Kramer and and Jerry, but George is going that. interesting. George is going through and saying, you know, what am I? You know, I'm I'm only human. I'm only this. I'm only flesh and blood. And Jerry goes, Oh, you're flesh and blood. Yeah, that's exactly what him and uh, Kramer. And then him and Kramer do the exact same thing later. Yeah, because we're I'm used to like in the previous episode we had sort of George, uh, not George, but Jerry and Elaine kind of giving it back to each other with Robert and Vanessa. And now we're having the bookends again uh, with how George and Jerry are perceiving pretty much the exact same situation, just with a discussing it with a different person. That's pretty funny. I didn't catch that. Uh, You know what I did catch? Hmm. Elaine's fringe jacket. <laughs> Elaine killed dude, uh, dude. No lie, or as the kids would say today, no cap. Uh, <laughs> Elaine looking good in this car, bro. Dude, she always looks good. But yeah, she. I mean, she's front and center, like big old light on her. Well, yeah. Well, uh, only because you can't go girl guy guy. It just doesn't look right. It doesn't look like she straight up calls George homophobic, <laughs> and he's like, "Is it that obvious?" Uh, which you know, early early '90s joke. Uh, but I, 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 the way she, you're right. You you were talking a little bit in the show before the show about her really only having two scenes in this episode, but her subplot, you know, the way she brings that energy and the way she talks about it. Um, like I noted in the later, the later, uh, scene with the, the fruit as she's gesturing with it, using the fruit to kind Mm -hmm. of like, you know, bring that, that, that energy to her character. I just, uh, I really, I really enjoyed it. Like she has popped up from time to time in some episodes, but like every time she's on screen, she's just, she kills it. Slaying it. She's Uh. slaying it. Uh, something that like I I personally have taken from this episode from watching it in past is when she's going through uh, her monologue uh, when she's going through you know we, we went from a simple hello to a head nod uh, yada 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 uh, George cuts in and goes uh, gone through nods to nothing yeah, that which is a satire of Tony Bennett's Rags to Riches. Rags to Riches, but I I always do the nods to nothing over the Rags to Riches. Yeah, uh, yeah, I love that. Like that was that was one of the things I noted. It just plays into that whole pop culture, like you know, drawing from you know real life real life things. 
it's Quite a few of them in this episode. A simple little drop of a line, just right in the, just a little like skip of it, or like a, another beat to her monologue, just to add a little pause for a second. And I, I, I love this scene. I think this is a classic. Uh, I have it in my notes. It's, it's a classic setup scene for an episode. And I thought all three of them killed what they had to do, even with. With with Jerry uh, and his reference to the blob at the <laughs> and kind of adding to like Jerry's like uh, his like childlike humor and his like immaturity, you know. I yeah, George, I love this George scene. comes through with a Tony Bennett reference, a little more sophisticated, a little high end, and Jerry's like the blob, crappy nineteen fifties horror movie. I wouldn't say crappy; it's uh, it's iconic and it's. But I mean, come on, you watch it today. Well, I think that plays. I think that plays to who both both the actors are on the outside. You know, Jason Alexander, uh, uh, before Seinfeld was was a play actor, and um, true, true. You know, he, yeah, be, he's a he's a Tony, he's a Tony Award winner. Be more on that side, whereas Jerry Jerry was a life size kid. You know, he he was a stand up comic. That was, I think, both of those lines not only go for who their characters are, but I think you're starting to see. You know, even more so, like as we discussed um, at the end of season one, you, where we start to see the actors kind of, or where you even mentioned, okay, this is this is Jason Alexander taking control of that George character. I think here now, especially, we're seeing these actors fall into their characters more and bring out more of themselves uh, within them. So we'll move we'll we'll move uh, right along here because we're back at Jerry's apartment, looking very much like it did at the end of season one, with uh, one big exception. One big exception. I I didn't catch the one big exception. His his little buzzer to let people in has changed. Oh my gosh! This is a great buzzer scene too. Uh, yeah, Kramer just answers. He he comes right in with his uh, 10th entrance and immediately is like, yeah, I'm going to let this guy up that buzzed into Jerry because he's distracted on the phone and I'm just being a good friend. And hits him with the, come on up. Yeah, come on up. Oh, it's great. While uh, Jerry's distracted on the phone, something that I I believe is true common decency, if you are calling someone and you dial a wrong number, <laughs> That they should at least tell you, or and if you ask specifically, hey, like, did I just hit the wrong number, or did they did I write it down wrong? We could save this whole process, and sure enough, he ends up hitting the guy again, and that's two long distance calls, which in what 1991, that's that's expensive. Probably a good chunk of change. Expensive. Uh, it's funny that you like your big focus on the first part of that was the, the whole wrong number. My big takeaway was Kramer actually brought food to Jerry. Oh, but did you notice that even in the it, right to a season one callback, a pilot callback, I think even he puts that food in in Jerry's face while he's while Jerry's on the phone, even <laughs> puts that food right in Jerry's face. Is like try this with almost that same face as. You got any meat? Like yeah, I, almost yeah. He's very very similar to that. Uh, I just I just he's always coming over to get food from Jerry. That him you know even if Jerry turns it down, that's Jerry's prerogative. He's just offering you some cantaloupe, which 
as we'll find out later in the episode, maybe Jerry should have, you know, taken some of Kramer's cantaloupe instead of getting it at the supermarket. Oh my gosh. Uh, the, the the fact that at at Joe's supermarket or whatever, uh, which Kramer loves and we even see again l- later on in the series. Oh yeah. Uh, um <laughs> the the it always pops me that you can take the fruit back. There, there's a return policy <laughs> on fruit. Yeah, I agree. I agree with Jerry and that whole aspect of it. Like, if fruit's a gamble. Like, once it's in my cart, once I've got it, it's up to me to, you know what I mean? Like, it's just you don't. Yeah. Kramer it's, it's takes like that cut up like cantaloupe. It's like opening a can of soda. It's like opening a can of soda and uh, you know not finishing all of it. Uh. You had mentioned, you know, the the actors bringing more of themselves to the characters. Jerry had uh, a good quote in the notes about nothing, discussing how the off-screen friendships of the actors, I guess over that summer, they stayed in touch and going into those table reads, they were just really good friends. Oh, there you and go. those friendships started to creep into those on-screen characters and I think you really kind of see that when George enters the scene and, you know, is given his bada-bangs and bada-booms. And, <laughs> oh, my the, gosh. You know, I'm up against the wall and, you know, the sniper's on the building. And Great performance uh, by Jason Alexander uh, here. Loved. Lo- I mean, the Costanza energy is just executed so great. It, it really does. And, and Kramer... Uh, I know all the attention is on George in this scene, but like when Kramer pulls the stool up to put his cantaloupe down, and he's just like holding the fork there, just listening to Jer- uh, listening to George tell this story. It just, you know, it's just little things about Kramer that just you can see you a know. couple parts while while George is going off. J- Jerry almost almost ruins it a couple times. Like you, he, oh, he, Jerry breaks he, so he, much. He starts episode. to break, and you can see him. I have to like pull back his face almost. Like he. Uh, but I don't blame him. It's w- wonderful. And then, and then to 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 dial back that energy and pump the brakes, and then have to explain to Jerry, I I need a favor from you. I need a favor. I need some books. <sighs> so in in the deleted scenes, I, I, there I I think this is the last deleted scene from this episode. G- uh, Kramer re-enters with cantaloupe on a toothpick. And, uh, you know, George is like, oh, this cantaloupe's great. And then he starts smacking because uh, they continue this conversation about, you know, books, books, books. And it, when when Jerry comes to the conclusion of, so what, I got to get these books back for you, George just starts giving him the smacking noise. I thought, I, like I said, I, I thought Well, that's that, interesting because me, they do the... funny than what actually happens in the scene. Well, I was going to say that's... That's interesting because they do the the smacking bit with Kramer in the scene. He asked Kramer to stop all that smacking. Yeah, and and to tie that in would have been funny, you know, if Kramer comes back because George like is like he's really like I don't want the cantaloupe, and then Kramer comes back with like it looks like he's taking a melon baller, and then he put a bunch of toothpicks in it. So so you know George because I guess he you know George oh, George isn't gonna eat it if I give it to him off of my fork so I'll go put some toothpicks in it, and then you know George really likes it and as Jerry figures out you know what George is asking him to do George gives him a little you know Costanza smirk and starts smacking his uh smacking his lips which I thought was was, was a good uh, would have been a good way to to end that scene as opposed to just nothing really I mean it's the same conversation it just 
to me, that conversation fell kind of flat. I found, like, you're right. I like the way Jason Alexander really kind of really pumped the brakes on the uh, the energy he had to, to, to settle into that. So I need a favor. But everything after that, to me, just felt kind of flat. That's fair. I mean, it's not really, I mean, yeah. <laughs> I... I I'm not I, trying to dog on it. No, 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 I just, no, no, like, no. It, I, having seen I can the see where you can say that. Can see that. No, having I, seen the deleted scene, I preferred the, what they left out as opposed to what they left in. Yeah. For sure. So, when we move on to the next scene, though, we get we get a big first here. We get a big, big first. Well, on. I'm, I'm on the edge of my seat. It's Tom. Oh, our first shot of Tom's restaurant our, located at Broadway first, and 112th Street in Manhattan. The first, uh, the first corner shot. Yeah. Um, another little fun fact I learned from the notes about nothing. Uh, this diner also inspired the 1987 Suzanne Vegas song "Tom's Diner," and the remix charted in 1990. Now, I forgot to look that up, but guarantee that shit's going to be on Twitter if I find it. So <laughs> this underscore is the show. Uh, Tits. So I, I, I wish I would have pulled that up because I wanted I, – I remember seeing that going, I want to pull that up. And I just must have missed it in my notes when I was doing some some prep work. Obviously, if I had to go look up IMDb. Uh, but bet that shit's going to be on the Twitter. Uh, I found that interesting. Just Tom's Diner, like, famous for something Definitely before if I... Seinfeld. If I go back to New York City at some point, it's it's definitely on my list of things like I I have to go see. Bucket list. Uh, so once we actually get inside the diner, we find ourselves in a booth. Back to our side booth. With uh, Jerry and Marlene. He's clearly called Marlene. He's going to get the books for George. The beautiful Tracy now- Colas. Oh, she's great. I could do without the accent, but she is she's a very gorgeous. You know what's funny about her accent? Is like so she plays this like Southern Belle, but she's from Brooklyn, New York. Like Well, that's why her southern accent's so terrible. Which I guess makes it funnier, but I I thought that was kind of ironic was that she plays a Southern Belle yet she's from the place that the show's depicted from being in. Found that funny. Such a bad accent. It's so bad. Very uh, like Mississippi South. Yeah, just not 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 the type of Southern accent you you want to run into, I guess, when you're in New York. Honestly, if I ran into that Southern accent down here on the, uh, I guess I'm still, I guess you could even consider Maryland. I mean, Maryland's still kind of Southern. Uh, I guess there are some like hick towns out here, but even if I heard that really Southern accent, I'd be like, what are you doing out here? Uh, did you catch the name of the books? I have them all written down. You know they're all real, right? Um, Those are real books. I didn't know that. I mean, I really didn't care if they're all real. I think all the titles are funny, uh, especially the third one, which is the shortest one. <laughs> I'm yeah, okay. I'm okay. You're okay. You're okay. <laughs> I, I love that title. Um, Honestly, so I, I guess the middle one's the best. So, so I guess let's do like a quick rundown we have do i have to give up me to be loved by you and then my favorite staying, staying well 
well with the gentle art of verbal, verbal self-defense. Self that to me is the most George Costanza book <laughs> I've ever heard of in my life. And when I found out it was real, I was tempted to be like, I kind of want this. It's got to be on Amazon. It's, it, I can't imagine it being that expensive. All I had to do, I didn't, I didn't do like deep dives on these books themselves because once I saw that they were real books with real covers, like for sale, like online, I was like, this is incredible, like, <laughs> absolutely incredible. I'm okay. You're okay just george is reading like i'm sorry like the fact that he would read those books and then want them back like he's read them like what do you like you've read them like what do you need them for like, i like that reoccurring joke they i think they hit that joke twice on him it's like uh well yeah you've read them once why do you need to read them or why do you need them back and then he hits him again later with uh it, it, you know the funny thing at the end of Moby Dick the second time, the shark actually befriends Ahab. <laughs> Ahab, yeah, you read it the second time, you befriends Ahab. But yeah, these are the books you need back. Like you, you really need these books back, George. These books, these are the ones that you need back. Like if these were the books I needed back, I wouldn't ask you to go get them from my ex. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I don't need anybody knowing that these are the books that I am reading. Just a quick scene establishing, you know, Marlene is kind of boring, bad Southern accent. Uh, oh, see, jo there there you go right there. See, it establishes, Mar you think the scene is kind of boring? Well, it establishes Marlene kind of being a little boring. <laughs> you know, it just kind of sets you up for, and, and I mean, really her scenes in this episode aren't dull. the best. Dull. She's dull. I can see why George tries to ditch her. Um, and I think, I mean, and, and that could very well be done on purpose and maybe, you know, all the extra action around it, yeah. you know, lighten up these spots uh, to kind of make up for these dips. I guess outside of the uh, the books, my only other real big takeaway uh, besides Bored Marlene is Jerry breaking the bro code here. Um... You know, there's some things you can get away with doing with a with a buddy's ex. I don't think being friends is one of them. Like you just you don't see the, no, you don't see it, them casually. You don't see them socially. It's just not something you. The do. only way, the only way that you can still be friends with your bro's ex is if your bro and his ex are still friends. Like like if they're still good. Y'all are still good, but only through your friend. No direct, really, connection. Unless it's an Elaine-type scenario. I was going to say, so like like Elaine. Maintains the friendship with Elaine because Elaine and Jerry are still friends. And because they are so close, eventually, as we see throughout the seasons, you know, I, I, they, they even kind of mention it early on, uh within the Seinfeld I don't know what the fuck to call it series Universe. there you go um you know it, it takes a minute for George and Elaine to start interacting with each other outside of Jerry you know right. they they be they establish a stronger friendship throughout but through Jerry you can't be friends with your bros ex if they're not friends truth uh, so moving on to a brand new set 
in this series. Every place they've been before, we had seen uh, is the chiropractor's office. And the notes about nothing give a nice little shout out to Tom Azari, uh, the production designer. And uh, he has said that Castle Rock owned a storage facility. So they would store the sets there so they didn't have to build them week in and week out. Again, saving them money. And uh, he said that it was very helpful having all of those sets there because it allowed the writers to, you know, put in a dozen, you know, sets or scenes into a 22 minute episode. But they always had what they needed. So I thought it was very interesting, you know, very much, you know, this is very much a doctor's office waiting room. And this is very much a doctor's office waiting room scene. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I like this scene, but only because it sets. I, I, I think, I think it sets up the the stronger of the stand up jokes mm-hmm. in the episode. Um, and I like this scene for that. And then I guess eventually to kind of add a little bit of a Jerry George subplot to it as well yeah um uh the the three lunches in a movie thing i'm like jerry that's called being friends with somebody now if that's all in a week that's a lot you know what i mean like if you're just supposed to be like i mean i guess if you're friends but i I, clearly marlene's trying to establish something with you i mean three lunches in a movie uh yeah that's a that's that's almost a little bit more than just yeah a friendship. Yeah, and 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 I can I, I can imagine that some of those were her asking Jerry out to dinner and him coming up with like a Joel Hornick excuse, and being like, "Can we do lunch?" Because lunch is a much more casual, you know, situation. Friendly. And Jerry situation. Has, yeah. At, up to this point, stopped all of uh you know may may have stopped all of that you know romantic style stuff. Uh, but it's funny that you mentioned the stand-up because I have written down one of his best jokes on the show. Uh, well, it's a very cla- – I mean it's 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 a classic Seinfeld observation. bit. It's a fully thought-out Seinfeld bit. Yeah. Yeah. I liked uh, – one more thing about this uh, early chiropractor scene. Uh, George immediately given Jerry the, uh, the Band-Aid uh, joke right back to him. Oh yeah, give it right back, right back to, to him. him. Like I said, that's something that you and I just we use a lot. And I mean, of of the many Seinfeld isms that we throw at each other, um, that one comes up a that lot. That one comes up a lot. Uh, what I found interesting is just in the season two premiere, they tried something here with we're going to end a scene, go into a stand up, and I'm assuming. I'm assuming that joke came after the scene and then they went to commercial because I'm trying to figure out, you know, where a commercial might have fit in into that because they come uh, right back to say, the chiropractor. Sorry. Go ahead. Sorry. I know you're going commercial scene to next scene. A couple things I, I want to get in about this stand up real quick. Yeah. Um, they still can't get the B-roll right. The B-roll is <laughs> still bad. The people laughing, awful. I think they do a girl and then a guy, or a guy and then a girl. And it's just, oh, it's bad, bad B-roll. But I do I do like the uh, setup, you know, where he talks about, you know, the the surgery you don't want to have is the one with the, oper- or In the with operating the theater, theater or whatever. Yeah, where, where, which 
again comes back because everything that that later on we set up with about. one of the most classic episodes of all time which later on down the road involving an operating theater which having just you know uh been out for you know just a quick little uh trip to the store uh i found a very large box of of junior mints that i have purchased and i'm still looking for a larger one (laughs) Uh, but uh, little season one callback yeah yeah i uh (laughs) still think i can do it in a very short amount of time but yeah, still, still on the lookout for a large box of Junior Mints. The the operating theater. I did enjoy that the operating theater. You know, is a joke that gets established early on. A lot of a lot of Jerry's jokes, you know, work themselves into storylines. But uh, Jerry has said that you know the the show has a lot to do with Larry David and his unique style, and you know, a lot of these ideas are 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 from his life. Uh, Jerry's called him the designer of the show, which I found found interesting. Um, you know that while Jerry's telling these jokes, you know a lot, some of it comes from you know Larry David's real life. Um, like in the notes about nothing, incredible. this one actually mentions that this idea comes from Larry David giving a woman a ride home whom his friend had just recently dated. And I'm like, how do you come out of that? Did she make a move on you, Larry? Are you like, did she ask to remain friends? And you did that sort of, eh, uh, uh, you know, that famous gif where he's like weighing the options on what's the right thing to do. <laughs> That's a different podcast, though. Yeah, hadn't made one of those jokes in a while, so I felt I felt that was a good time for it. Coming, you got anything else about that stand-up? Nope, nope. You Coming out of commercial. So we're back from commercial, and George is, you know, probably some nice, nice Gillette commercials. You know what? I maybe. Is is that is that what was popular in the '90s, Mister Nostalgia Commercial Man? In, ni- in maybe in October, or, I'm sorry, January of 1991. Maybe a little Selsun Blue. Selsun Blue. You probably get like a Chase or a Visa. Chase or a or, Visa. Uh, actually, probably a Mastercard commercial. Yeah. With it being on uh, you're, NBC. You're you're the one with all the '90s commercials on his Twitch stream. Bro, I'm telling you right now, watch watch more old commercials. They bring back more nostalgia than you would think. They do. It is it is fun to watch your your Twitch stream. Uh, but George is upset because he's got you know a pinch and a poke and seventy five dollars and just I just love George being upset at a doctor's office because he's got to pay somebody. He he battles with doctors seventy five constantly, bucks. constantly he's battling with doctors. Uh, you know my Sinatra, I pay what I say. I think that's a pretty good line. I'm surprised more people don't use that line. <laughs> I I I still wonder like even like to this day after watching that like can I can I do that? Can I just like give them an amount of money and then be like I'll pay the rest later and then not actually pay them? I think like, there's cause he's, cause he's like probably I, you. I, how would he have gotten away with the beginning of that of just paying the the clerk thirty five dollars and then walking away like everything was fine, and then Jerry having to go up behind him? I mean, how how does that work? I think they could call the police on you for theft of services. I mean, I I think it's and it's like it's like that social contract of I have provided a service to you. Well then, give me that scene. Give me George blowing up on her, 
on the reception is for having to charge him the 75 bucks, have him storm off. Yeah. And then Jerry kind of sneak up behind and give him the rest of the money. Yeah. But I think that'd be excellent time to see a little, yeah. little George rant. I mean, I think it's like if, if to put it in uh, a perspective and, and, you know, careers, industries that we've been in, like if, if somebody goes to your restaurant, you know, orders $200 worth of food but only has $100 to pay, I mean, there's a couple there's a couple things i think the restaurant can do it's like okay get out of here and you know you're banned from the restaurant don't ever come back or you call the cops and and have them you know arrested for a hundred dollars on on a charge of theft of services because if like i mean i guess the thing i guess what you're coming from from doctors is you don't always know the cost up front uh especially with like our healthcare industry you never know what you're paying for anything or what you're exactly you can't do the for. thing that I, I always used to threaten the kids and tell them that they'd have to go back and wash the dishes. You can't just go back and wash some dishes to finish out your bill. No, I think that's the most unbelievable trope ever. <laughs> like, oh, I gotta wash some dishes because I can't pay for stuff. That's never happened. That's that's labor exploitation. It's never happened. That's that's exploitation of labor. Like, what happens? That dude's back there washing dishes. He slips and breaks his leg. Like what? What's what's your plan for that? Well, genius. He had a hundred dollar bill to pay. <laughs> yeah. Now and now, like he slipped and broke his leg, and he's gonna sue you. Um. Well, at least you want to pay a hundred dollars of it. Yeah. So Jerry, uh, Jerry and Marlene are actually out at night now. We're back to the poor man's process of uh, lighting a car. And I guess they've just completed making out because Jerry's got this look on his face like, oh, my God. Uh, Maybe. Maybe. And that would explain later because I do get kind of upset when he's telling Kramer and he's like, you know, something, you know, they they began something in the car when really all you see in the car is Marlene be boring again, which, again, I... I find it funny. Well, she, I find it she goes. Boring. She goes. Well, people kiss, and while we don't oh, that's see true. it, we don't see that's it. True. It kind of. I, I missed that line. To me, that's the that relays the oh they were just they were just necking, and Jerry's a little kind of taken aback by it. Which, if if Marlene has asked to see Jerry this many times, she's clearly into him. So I'm assuming that she made the move. It's not a move Jerry would have made, and yeah. Uh, you know, it's just a short little scene. You know, they're, they're, it's just an, another little establishing uh, shot of them. And uh, Jerry's right back home uh, when Kramer, you know, comes in again. You got another Kramer entrance. It's, each time Jerry's been at Number home, 11. each time Jerry's been at home, Kramer uh, has 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 popped in. Uh, I love his. Got show him his golf swing. I love the Charlie Sheen outfit. We get the first. Uh, golf reference for Kramer just he's this this just great Kramer right here in this scene I really really enjoyed Michael Richards uh and 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 how he he brought Kramer's you know not we're not it's not wild and wacky Kramer really in this scene it's more of like a a more put together I know what I'm I know what I'm doing here uh type deal you know kind of encouraging Jerry being a little more of the devil on the shoulder to Jerry oh, yeah. when Jerry comes uh, to him for advice. Uh, Here's where we get the the flip flop of the Jerry George conversation. 
Right, right. Like you, yeah, you two had mentioned before about you know uh, I'm, I'm flesh and blood, and then I liked I liked when Michael Richards repeated the psychosexual like Michael Richards himself. Psychosexual. He sounded. I have that written down. Yeah, he said he. he, he it's so funny. He just sounded like he was turned on right there. And uh, just, yeah, he was into it. Just cracked me up. Uh, <laughs> just so funny, and then. Uh, there is cantaloupe needs to be taken out of circulation. That line popped me good. Which uh, which line? I'm sorry. Uh, the cantaloupe should have been taken out of circulation. I don't know why. I just uh, uh, them thinking the cantaloupe. I don't, I don't know. I found it funny. The what should have been taken out of circulation? The cantaloupe. They should take oh, out cantaloupe the out cantaloupe. Oh, the cantaloupe. yeah, yeah. Jerry's got the cantaloupe, and J- and Kramer tries it. Yeah, I'm sorry. I was, I, 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 didn't hear that you were saying cantaloupe. I was like, what the fuck is he saying? Yeah, like he just immediately just puts it in his mouth, immediately spits it back out. Yeah, the, the, the Mike. Like I said, Michael Richards in this doesn't even is doesn't just, even get in his mouth. That doesn't the cantaloupe doesn't, it just like ah, it's out. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> Jerry busts again there too. Yeah, he's he's yeah he's breaking all throughout this scene. Uh, I think I've got it at fifteen forty. They're both breaking, and then at seventeen minutes, Jerry's breaking at something. Uh, Julius says, "I like that screening calls is a thing that occurs uh, throughout the series because it seems like these people are the type of people that would screen their phone calls." There was apparently a alternate Marlene voice message that I think again if this was what I mean the one we get is pretty good but I think this one would have been just a, just a bit funnier I'm gonna read it to you Jerry I don't care what anyone says these are not the good old days <laughs> I just it's so dumb like it's as dumb as do you ever just take a bath in the dark? I'm talking into the soap right now. Like, that's just ridiculous. But I think the I don't care what anyone says, these are not the good old days is just a far superior uh, superior line in terms of comedy. In my I opinion. think it's better because the whole talking to the soap makes her seem a little bit on, like, the extra side of crazy. Yeah, yeah, I can like see that. the... The other one is just like a subtle craziness. I mean, it's not. I guess it's not subtle, but like it's like <laughs> just like these just aren't the good old days. Uh, did you catch that Jerry's got a Porsche poster in his kitchen, like right on the other side of the cabinets? I I didn't. I I think that's new. That's not something we had seen last season. Like he's he's got a couple posters. Like there's the one that's above the chair, uh, that's really iconic. Uh, the really I think it's like a black. It's like a really dark poster, um, like dark. I guess dark one thing, lit. but this one it looks more like a racing like style, um, like a race poster, like you know, like promoting like Porsche and some sort of like Grand Prix or event that they race. And I just found it interesting, uh, just a new little piece of you know car memorabilia oh. that Jerry liked. Um, I guess another thing that we uh, have to take note of in the apartment is are we going to see the airplane lamp again? I don't know, but I'm going to have to make note of it because I do love that little, oh, my little airplane lamp. Like, he's <laughs> such a man-child. Uh, such a stupid lamp. Like, why, like, what, what, why? 
I, I really, I, I, I looked around. I, I wouldn't have any use for that lamp anywhere in my room. But it's a cute little lamp. It's, it's, it's kind of, it's so ridiculously childish. Uh, I do love Elaine's jacket here. It looks like do like polo players, but it's just so 90s. It's a little oversized. She's got her 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 wall of hair, and again, to your point, she's just just absolutely the best part of this scene. Uh, Kills it. Yeah, just holding the fruit. How she talks, the way she explains her confrontation, and just. The step-by-step minutia of just every little part of what she just—it—it's it, a brilliant, it's a brilliant monologue. Jerry's reactions are really good. Uh, you're and my hero. And then stamps it at the end with the oh, this cantaloupe is terrible. <laughs> yeah, and then just immediately, like, because she like she picks up the cantaloupe and you're almost like oh god, it's terrible. When's she gonna eat it? And she uses it and your eyes are still on it. <laughs> and then and you know as soon as she takes a bite and she yeah she's like oh this cantaloupe stinks. And oh my god, she's great! And it's such a great stinger to the episode to that scene because Jerry's like, you know what? You've inspired me. I'm gonna go call George right now. And uh, the like that's she, she, you know, she's all alone pretty much right there. And it's just such a great end to that scene. And um, it's just her little subplot comes to an end there. And you know, I just I'm so excited for just more Julia, you know. Uh, what's crazy is it's a it's a she does such an excellent job of going into detail in both of her uh, monologues that you don't need to see the scene. They don't ever show you these scenes happening. Right. The whole the whole scene she describes of walking down the hall with this guy and their interaction. She she puts it in such a a vivid. Um, colorful uh, verbiage that you see the scene play out mm-hmm. in your mind mm-hmm. and it, it's well I didn't want to say it, hello anymore <laughs> that's fine I just wanted to let you know that I know <laughs> it, yeah it's it's amazing and just to the type of person that will see you know Elaine Bennis be she's definitely not shy on confrontation she'll 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 chase people down for for just any and every reason um the notes about nothing had did have a note uh a quote uh, a little less of a quote but more of a julia has called her time on seinfeld some of the most fun she ever had at a job uh now obviously this is before veep so <laughs> i'm sure she had maybe a little more fun doing that but as far as what we had established and talked about earlier of the characters really becoming friends and establishing themselves as a part of their characters i think this is a good you know she she really did enjoy it and having read and heard some of her comments about her time on snl she probably hadn't had the best time so up to that point in comedy so i think why we're seeing her do so amazing is that i'm i'm enjoying what i'm doing so i can actually put all of it all of my effort into it and we see that julie was always meant to be a star she just needed that opportunity yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, I think she she is, like, almost the star of this episode, and she, like I said, she's in it for two scenes. Yeah, she's a subplot. Her character's a subplot. She's, she's like you said, two monologues, and she's out. Uh, so Jerry makes that phone call to George, and they go, and they meet up at Monk's, and... And I'm not going to lie to you. Like, I... I 
immediately saw the center table, and I was <laughs> at first upset. But something about it, the way they use it here, uh, I it, with it the, worked with the fly and George getting up and freaking out over it. The whole the the whole aesthetic of it to me for the fir- like the, for the first time to me just worked. And I don't know. I'll, I guess I have to go back and look at what they changed um, about it, but I thought it was the perfect use for it here. I, I I think George carries that energy from that from that breakup scene uh, into this, where he just you know he doesn't really care. He's pretty aloof about it. I think he's almost a bit relieved because he's like, oh sweet, Jerry is just completely taking her off my hands. Like I, that's his and I think his problem now, not mine. And I think he also because because of him being aware of like how she is, he almost is like you know what, fine, you know like like uh, mockingly is like you know what, yeah, fine, fine, I don't care, you, you go on, have fun, you know. I I I think he's almost like laughing at Jerry a little here. bit on the inside, like yeah, dude, good luck. Uh, yeah, I, I call this the unemployed George outfit because he just he looks like he's unemployed here. <laughs> like, shouldn't you be like showing a house or something? Uh, and then also, could he uh, could he talk with his mouth or chew with his mouth closed or maybe not talk with his mouth full of salad? Because I mean, I know that's a pretty George Costanza thing where I just don't care. But gross, just gross, <laughs> just gross, man. Huh. I think he gets way more upset over the thirty-five dollars than like anything else. Oh yeah, it's such petty, George. It's like, oh, you you paid her. Yeah, and it's what's what it, what I have noted about that is actually Jerry does the right <laughs> thing twice in terms of I want to date you know my good buddy's ex. I should obviously talk to him about that right away. Also you kind of screwed over my doctor and I had to pay for it. You know what I mean? Like he just, cause basically like, like we, uh, like I had talked about earlier, that's, you know, technically theft of services. If they wanted to, they could go after him. Jerry trying to save face because it's like, ah, oh, it was my doctor pays the money. No harm, no foul. Jerry in turn protecting his friend, save face with doctor. Everybody's happy except for Jerry. Who's up <laughs> 35 bucks. Um, so I just found it funny that Jerry did the right thing twice, but yes, he was much more upset. And I think that's why they established that chiropractor scene, you know, everybody's got everybody, everybody's guys, the best, you know, all the way back to that first, that first scene, that conversation in the car, you know, nobody's doctor's the worst. Um, yeah, you know, they had to establish that. So George could be more upset about Jerry. You paid that crook. Uh, then going after Marlene because I think to like what you said, Jerry, George is just kind of laughing on the inside, like yeah. <laughs> and then, and then in the in, in the height of him getting so worked up, he swallows a fly. <laughs> What's gonna happen? He's asking strangers like that guy, like <laughs> the guy just sitting up at the at the bar the has no do? idea. Like, what what the do? fuck is he gonna do, man? It's just ridiculous. Oh my gosh! And just and I think, to me, one of the funniest parts of the episode, honestly, George swallowing the fly and then his his freak out to Jerry having to put his head down because he's clearly laughing at Jason Alexander. <laughs> or just because he's 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 
going up in like levels. Like he's like working himself up and up and up and up, and then he's at the height of his like excitement, and then smaller. Then he freaks out, and it's just, oh, his energy level in this episode is off the chart. From the jail scene that he depicts earlier on, and this, like he is. He must have had some good coffee that day. Yeah, little Leroy Jenkins in his in his cup. <laughs> cool. Uh, so, player one, Leroy Jenkins. So we've come to the end of the episode with the last scene, and it's it's Jerry and Marlene uh, in a car, much like we saw earlier after they had been kissing. <laughs> and this, to me, like I know I said the George scene, but like this, George is the funniest part of this episode. This is probably the best way this episode could have ended in my opinion because this is actually uh it was actually brought to my attention i was doing uh a lot of uh a lot of tweeting on twitter with just some people and he had this guy had tweeted about the ongoing bit of shitting on jerry's act which is funny because it's jerry and larry's episodes they write it's their show there's an ongoing bit shitting on Jerry's act. Like, right here, Marlene breaks up with Jerry because she just can't be with somebody that she can't respect what, what they do. And Jerry's like, you're a cashier, which I don't know. I mean, I, I know what he's trying act. to say right there. But, you know, in this day and age of cashiers being, you know, frontline workers. <laughs> Essential. Essential workers. Thank you, cashier workers. Thank you, cashier workers. We love you, and I will always, you know, be nice to you in line. Uh, but yeah, like Kramer comes in, and he's always trying to give bits to Jerry. You know, it's as good as anything you've got. Uh, Elaine doesn't like it when Jerry does bits uh, on her. George is always pitching him bits. It's just there, there's the reoccurring gag that Jerry's a funny comedian, but like we're gonna sh- we're you know almost that like I, Jerry is aware that he doesn't want to be too you know quote unquote famous there's in the, the show. Uh, there's the George girlfriend who doesn't find him funny. Oh yeah, he's like constantly going out of his way to try and to try and jokes. make her laugh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it just it. it just that gag I think sort of originates here and um, I do have written in my notes just because of just a little bit of the Larry David research that I had done you know him being more of a comedian's comedian this to me seems very much like a Larry David joke like like I'm gonna take a shot at like simple minded you know comedy fans you know Marlene is boring George is reading you know really weird books with her while he's in uh, this relationship and uh, Larry David being popular with comedians and not as popular with casual audiences this I'm not saying it is this is probably the one over analytical bit I did uh, in this episode is maybe this is Larry David taking a pot shot at some of his more simple-minded fans that didn't exactly like him just saying yeah, no, I, uh, that's a good catch. I, I guess I never really sat and thought about that before about them taking shots at the, the act and really their, their, their own brand of comedy uh, in general th- throughout the series. Yeah, this was also the scene where I got the note about NBC pulling the show. So it was already at the end of the episode, and then it didn't give me anything after that, and I was really just kind of like, what the fuck. 
It's a, it's uh, a good cliffhanger. So yeah, well, it's yeah, it's a good cliffhanger. Cause I gotta, you know, I gotta figure out exactly what uh, what that shit's all about. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, up up to that. Uh, I forgot where I was gonna say. I was say yeah, that's kind of the scene, just in general. Marlene doesn't like Jerry's yeah. act and breaks up with him, and Jerry's just breaks like, with him. what the fuck. Uh, and then, and then uh, we go to our last stand up. We go to our last stand up, which, you know, maybe this was something from the 90s. And I know people look at their jobs and as sort of like, you know, a status thing. But I'm just like, I don't really buy into that. So this joke just isn't really. I'm not the target audience of this joke, if that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, it, it doesn't carry carry over well all the way to 2020. Yeah, and I think that's something that obviously we're going to see throughout the series uh, I know we pointed out a handful of instances where things are just pretty dated um, it's delivered well I'll say that it's like it's the I, I see what he's trying to say and the joke itself like I said not really the target audience for it um, so but I, I think for let me rephrase that I think while not being the target audience for the joke it is a nice button on what we just saw in the previous scene and how Marlene yeah. didn't respect what Jerry did and how Jerry, you know, I guess insultingly called her a cashier, but clearly that wasn't a big deal to him. Yeah, it definitely it definitely buttons up the episode. It just the the joke itself doesn't carry all the way over, but I think it does a good job of of tying up and ending the episode. For sure, and that's uh, and that's the ex-girlfriend. All right, so uh, I know I know what I'm gonna rate this. I know how many cups of coffee I'm gonna rate this. Uh, Would you like to go? What first? I'm interested? In, uh, no, I actually like oh, you, you wanna... to go first. I, I want to know your thoughts. I gave it the flat average, two and a half. Um, wow! Like I yeah, said, we man, are on. Different wavelengths. Yeah, for sure. I, no, I definitely had <laughs> go, go, go. I guess yours. Just uh, it's, to me, just an average episode. Uh, it's definition of a filler. I'm a little disappointed because I kind of had high expectations of a season premiere, and I don't think this is season premiere worthy. This is something. This is third or fourth episode type deal. Like. I was hoping for a little more flash, I guess. You know, this is very, very prototypical Seinfeld. I mean, how much more flash can you ask for with, with I mean, Jason Alexander and uh, uh, Julia's fucking performances, man. They they were fucking yeah. killing it. We, we just mentioned how fucking off the charts Jason Alexander's energy was, and you want to go through and say this didn't have any flash? Because the the episode itself, the storyline is so bland to me. Like, the, to the, to me, the, but she's supposed the to be Elaine bland. subplot. The Elaine subplot is more exciting than Jerry just kind of going through the motions of this whole ex girlfriend thing. He gets roped into getting some books back, and now he's roped into going to you know these movie this. Uh, but movie I think what lunches. makes the Elaine. But I think what makes the Elaine subplot so so good in this episode is is the fact that there's so little of it, and she delivers 
like exceedingly to to put it over, and I, I I think that's what makes it better than what it would have been if we would have gotten more visual of that subplot. I don't necessarily think I needed a visual of that subplot, but maybe a she's at the chiropractor with them. We get like a like a middle part to that, like you know, we get the the beginning and the end of it, but maybe there's like a little middle part where where she could have she could have. I just want more Elaine. That's just more. That's just what I. Want. <laughs> I, I well, that's a, well, that's fair. I, I for a season don't know if it's premiere, a couple cups of coffee fair, but it's. I just it's, Marlene was boring. Sorry, Tracy Colas, just not, just not my favorite ex girlfriend of the gang, and you know, while while Kramer was Kramer. His stuff really wasn't all that memorable. He didn't really have anything to do other than, you know, the cantaloupe bits. And it's just, you know, he's he's really he really Kramer especially really hasn't broken out as a central character yet. Kramer is still firmly periphery. Uh, George with this, I think, you know, George, I mean, George is is established. And I think Elaine is more of an established character at this point than Kramer is. Uh, and I think we've seen less of her. So, you know, maybe this would have been a good time to break out of some Kramer stuff. Granted, that doesn't really seem to happen uh, much in this season, except I think maybe later. I think there is a scene in the second or the scene. There's an episode in the second season, if I can look at well, it quickly. Yes, there is an episode in the second season that I am a big fan of. Um, but I, I, I would have liked to have maybe seen that a little earlier. I think the I, uh, I think the next episode actually makes a better season premiere than this episode. What's the next one? The Pony Remark? Yes. Uh I disagree. I gave this four cups. Okay. Almost four and a half. And I see your reasoning. You 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 have been very I mean dude, you, you fought hard you, for this episode. You heard me during us talking about it, me laughing. Like like I I told you after I watched it, I legit laughed out loud. At so many parts of this episode, I, I thought the, the the performances were money. I thought Kramer was funny. I I, I like I said I thought that that was a callback to to the pilot with the whole putting shit. Like I thought that was great. Um, the whole cantaloupe bit. Yeah. And then what we know about Joe's later on, I th- I think that adds a little something to it. It might. Um, I I love this episode. I think it's a. I thought it was a great way to open the season. I think the Marlene boringness is supposed to be there, and I think it's good little dips in the action. Um, Kramer a little bit more, sure. Uh, Elaine a little bit more, sure. Uh, we get some good Elaine coming up though. Um, uh, next episode is she... next episode is awesome, Elaine. She's. She's good. She's really good in the next episode. I'm looking forward to looking forward to the pony remark. I like the pony remark, but we'll just talk about that next episode. For sure. Um, so. All right. So let's uh, what throw the twitters out there, right? Yeah. Shameless shameless plug. I'll I'll hit the Twitter. You can hit your Twitch. <laughs> oh God. Uh, but yeah, this underscore is the show. Uh, trying to be as active as possible. Find all uh find the link there. Uh. Both of us uh, follow that uh, podcast as well, and we follow ourselves, the hosts. Uh, I believe I'm 
Red Tide. I'm not even going to give mine. You're not, not going to give yours out? out? It's a confusing one. I think it's like Rabbit is Wise, but there's like a one in there. Uh, you can find me. I, it's one of like the six people that follow this underscore is the show. That's the show, show, Twitter. That's the one I'll throw out. Uh, All right. If you'd like to throw out anything else, feel free yeah, to. Yeah, find me at, uh, at CJWarden989 on Twitter. Um, you can find a lot of my wrestling bookings and throughout Keep Up With Me there. Uh, if you want to watch me play 90s video games, a lot of Super Nintendo, a lot of Nintendo 64, uh, where I play a lot of uh, Seinfeld GIFs and play some 90s commercials, make you feel like you're back in the day, like uh, this show makes me feel. Uh, follow me or find me at... Uh, twitch.tv slash chilled and roasted um that that pretty much does it for me uh sir are you good uh one last thing hey pete's coffee still waiting on that sponsorship hey pete's coffee i would love to be drinking you right now as i'm doing this podcast i i was actually drinking pete's coffee while doing this podcast so uh why don't you get on my level sir hey pete's coffee you you sponsor this podcast i'll drink nothing but pete's bet book it (laughs) Facts. Chalk it up on the board. Alrighty. I'm Alex Lee. I'm CJ Ward. This is the show. Tits.